You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 311th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 968th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of October 5th, 2023. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred on Wednesday when the Indiana coaching staff went four deep to visit its top remaining targets in the 2024 recruiting class. Yes, you heard that right. Mike Woodson, Kenya Hunter, Yasir Rosemont, and Brian Walsh all boarded a plane and flew to White Plains, New York, to visit lead guard Boogie Fland the day after he was visited by John Calipari and Nate Oates. The four then proceeded down to Orlando, Florida, to Montverde, to see wing Liam McNeely and big Derek Queen. And by all accounts, the visits went well, perhaps even very well. In fact, they reportedly went so well that the anonymous but trusted recruiting analyst Trilly Donovan on Twitter tweeted out a video suggesting Indiana is in a very strong position with both Boogie and Liam. And yes, I did say Trilly Donovan. No one knows exactly who it is behind the account, though it's clear he or she or they is very, very well connected. Folks, this is how recruiting news and rumors get disseminated publicly in the year 2023. Let's all just roll with it, especially when the news appears to be pretty good for IU. But what does all this mean? Well, we're going to talk about it more later in this episode, but here's the bottom line. The current prevailing wisdom among people I trust beyond old Trilly is that Indiana continues to be in good shape with Liam and that the Hoosiers have emerged as a leader for Boogie, perhaps even the leader, with Kentucky considered a close second. Now, obviously, nothing is set in stone until a player commits and then actually matriculates to campus. But as we await their commitments, which are expected over the next couple of weeks, I'm personally approaching them with a renewed sense of confidence that Indiana will be each player's choice. And seeing Liam, who has long been considered an IU lean despite Kansas's best efforts, and several of IU's coaches posting highlight videos of Boogie on Instagram yesterday certainly reinforce that confidence. As for Queen, well, no one's quite sure about him right now. The pull of his home state school, Maryland, will be strong. Kansas always has a shot in any recruitment they are in, still has a shot in the Liam McNeely recruitment, according to many. And I suppose you can never count out three-way Kelvin and the Houston Cougars. But there is no question it will strengthen Indiana's pitch to Queen if his longtime friend McNeely is in the fold, along with an elite point guard like Boogie. Look, we all know how much is riding on the 2024 high school class. The Indiana staff has been all in on a very small circle of players, which is now basically contracted to just these three. Mike Woodson and his staff have to get at least two of these guys to make it all worth it. And the news this week provided the most optimistic evidence yet that this may well actually happen. Knock on wood and all the superstitious stuff that you do. Add Queen 2, and it will be one of the best recruiting classes by ranking and one of the most balanced in terms of position and skill in IU history. But we got to close. So it's time to close, Woody. 
All right, now let me introduce my co-host this week. Ryan is off enjoying his annual family trip to Italy, but don't worry. He left us very detailed instructions for how to host and post the show, so there shouldn't be any programming interruptions in his absence. But here with me, ladies and gentlemen, he is the Rod Carey of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club and the world's most intimidating bracketologist. Yes, it is Andy Bottoms. The best of you sports coaching, you know that we got them. When it comes to analytic trends, you know he can spot them. For first class bracketology, if you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. Like, I recognize that that song is probably 10, 15 seconds too long for an intro, but I just love it and don't want to cut it. So it is what it is. Andy, what's your bottoms line on the past week in Indiana basketball? Uh, well, I mean, we're, uh, I, I wrote up our, our monthly calendar over the weekend and, uh, I could actually put an IU basketball game on it. So that's exciting. There's the first <laughs> exhibition game is toward the end of the month. So, uh, always good. I did force myself to write the football games up there as well, but, uh, more exciting than that is, uh, we actually, you know, got a game within the, within the current month, which is exciting. Uh, a lot of the preseason stuff going up and uh, you're that much closer to actually seeing some games. Obviously, the recruiting news has really taken hold over the last couple of weeks. But uh, I think as you really look ahead to, you know, whether it's some of the questions or the other things that we're you know, you know having the schedule, the game times are out, like everything is kind of coming together uh, as you read through some of the preview information and uh, and all that stuff. It's all uh, it's all pointed toward the season. And, and that's certainly exciting. Um, if anybody wants something fun to do, I strongly suggest everybody go look at the uh, NCAA where they tweeted out Andy Katz's list of top small forwards. Some of the replies uh, and quote tweets of that are pretty entertaining. So I strongly encourage anybody to check that out. Since that, uh, I saw our buddies Ant Wright and Rob Doster going back and forth about that. They were, uh, yeah, some of Ant's kind of confused on it. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, so you know, still any preseason content though is exciting because it gets you ready for the season. But uh, yeah, just really excited that we're a few weeks away and. Yeah, it, like this every you know feels this way every season you finally start to get the answer to some of your questions now the answers might not be what you want them to be but you at least start to be able to get some of the answers to the, the questions that you've had during the entirety of the offseason yep well said andy all right also here with us he is a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of indiana the founder of delphi bracketology and ladies and gentlemen this is a man who knows how to celebrate an epic victory in your rival's home gym Shafino! that's right it is the coach brian tonsoni Coach, it is Tonsoni time. What is on your mind this week? Well, two things. One, uh, Indiana-Kentucky resumes. Uh, I think that's just really good news. Uh, that's why we got out of the Crossroads Classic to open up that weekend. And I think you're seeing with uh, the Arizona games, the Kansas games, and then coming up to Kentucky, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. I think that's good. I encourage Indiana basketball to keep doing more. Um, you know, I, I came to know Indiana basketball when they were playing, you know, a, a lot, Louisville's and, uh, and the Notre Dames, and not on that December 16th Saturday, but schedule people. I, I think if you're going to be a top program, you have to schedule people and not just stop with Kentucky. But for me, guys, the best news that I'm getting is the messages from people who have seen practice and say that CJ Gunn is shooting the basketball uh, pretty well and that he really looks like he is fitting in offensively. Uh, 
I think uh, that, to me, is good news. That's just one week of practice. Obviously, playing in a game and being scouted, we have to see it uh, to believe it. But as much as we love all the talent in the starting lineup, I think Caleb Banks and especially C.J. Gunn for guard depth really holds the key to where this Indiana Hoosier team will go. And if he's off to a good start, that that's, uh, speaks volumes to the positive uh, outlook for these Hoosiers. Two names I've been hearing more than any others about practice, CJ and Trey Galloway, which is a good sign Yeah, considering that is where Indiana really needs to get some production. So that is great to hear. Okay, so here's what's on tap this week. I mean, it's basically one big episode of Hoosier Headlines because there were a lot of headlines to roll through uh, this week. So we've put some other stuff kind of on the back burner, but we're still going to do it. The flag plant episode that we talked about, we want to do that when Ryan is back so that we can chronicle all of his bad predictions and then make fun of him for them later. We couldn't do that episode without him. And then, of course, we have Jay coming up soon with his over-under episode. All that will be coming. But this week, like I said, it's headlines. We're going to focus on recruiting uh, and several of the other um, stories. I don't know if you all heard the quote from Darvin Ham about Jalen Huchifino. We're going to talk about that, which was awesome. And then, of course, the IU-Kentucky series and just the wild and crazy TV schedule. <laughs> is just so much different this year than ever before. We're going to break that down too. So that'll all be in segments one and two. And then in segment three, we're going to hop over to the mailbag as we usually do. So all of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Yes, this edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, including Crimson Cast and Doing the Work, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. And we certainly appreciate all of their support over the last five, six, seven years, however long it has been. Uh, but Homefield is just wonderful because it's not just IU that they have. They have 130, 140, 150, whatever the number is now of colleges and universities where they you know, just have these great old vintage logos that have so much character and such great, rich stories behind them. And they print them on just incredibly soft and comfortable fabrics that, you know, last through many washings. It's just great stuff, uh, great quality stuff from a great company. If you missed our episode uh, with Connor Hitchcock, the founder of Home Field Apparel, it's a couple of episodes back. Uh, I've gotten more comments about that episode than almost anyone that we've done this offseason. And I was a little worried about it, but everybody was like, it was great hearing the stories of home field. And Connor's actually a good football and basketball analyst. You should have him on more. So I guess since he sponsors the show, technically he could really come on anytime he wants. So, But we love talking with those guys. We love supporting those guys. Uh, and as you start to think forward about the holidays and you want to get ahead on your Christmas shopping, man, go to homefieldapparel.com because you could knock out a whole bunch of your list in one online shopping trip and you can use our promo code home 23 to get 15% off your first order. If you've already made an order, use a different email address. And I'm, this is nothing that isn't coming. This comes directly from Connor. He said it on our show, use different email addresses so that you can get that discount or, you know, follow them on social media, download their app. They're always having these great sales and they ramp them up around the holidays so you can find other promo codes too. But ours is Home23 for 15% off. Home23, 15% off. Once again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, let's dive into some Hoosier headlines here, gentlemen. First off, congratulations are in order. 
to our friends at Doing the Work, Jeff Marlowe, Kathy Amos. They have hit their 75th episode, which is really a huge, huge milestone. I know back when I was teaching my podcasting class, we always used to tell people, you know, get past 50. You know, the first milestone is kind of 10. Most podcasts don't get past there. Man, if you get past 50, you're really doing something and have kind of put yourself on the short list of podcasts people should take seriously. Well, just like you got to take the IU women's basketball program seriously with what Terry Morin has built, you got to take doing the work seriously because they just continue to churn out good content. Uh, their most recent episode was a conversation with Chloe Peterson from the uh, Indy Star about this year's team and the Big Ten schedule. Just great stuff. As much as we are ramping up here for the men's season, they're ramping up for another women's basketball season where you know the women are preseason, I think, number 10. Uh, I think I saw and second or third in the Big Ten. Um, so they've got another great season coming up and we can't wait to obviously follow along and listen to Jeff and Kathy as they chronicle it and analyze it all season long. So congrats to them. That's an awesome milestone. Really proud of them. Really excited uh, to have them as part of the Back Home Network. Uh, another piece of news, guys, is the NCAA made changes to the transfer window. And the transfer window is the period when a player can enter the portal. So this is when they have to put their name in to be able to transfer without penalty, without waiting. And this year was a very long window of 60 days. They have changed it for both men's and women's hoops. The portal window is changing from 60 days to 45 days. So the window opens the Monday after Selection Sunday, and now it will close on or before May 1st, just depending on you know when those dates fall on the calendar. And the idea is just to kind of rein in a little bit of the off-season chaos. So instead of you know having that longer window for guys to go, they've got to, or, or girls to go, they've got to make that decision uh, a little bit quicker. This does not impact when a student athlete can transfer. Once they're in, now they can take their time to make their decision. But this does dictate when they can enter their name into the NCAA database to transfer without penalty. And the other interesting uh, change is grad transfers who have previously been able to basically put themselves in the portal at any time. They now ha have a notification window uh, of May 1st. They have to notify of May 1st for fall and winter sports and by July 1st for spring sports. So this is the NCAA and the coaches, obviously, uh, you know, trying to rein in the offseason chaos a little bit. Andy, uh, any thoughts on... Um, on this change, which to me seems very sensible. Yeah, I think it, I think it does. I think the grad transfer thing had come up a handful of times, even over this off season where you're pretty deep into the off season. The, the dominoes have fallen from a, a transfer portal standpoint. And then a guy says, Hey, I'm, I'm a grad transfer. I'm just leaving now. Uh, and I think that's one, like you said, that comes from the coaches. Now uh, I think some of the other uh, things that coaches have wanted around the like, you know, multiple transfers and stuff like that has we've seen that come around a few times as well, where, you know, there've been a lot of cases where th these guys aren't getting eligible. And then the coach complains like, well, this guy needs to get a waiver and whatever. Well, that's kind of what you wanted. You didn't want guys to be able to transfer, you know, two and three times. So you got to pick your, pick your poison. I don't know that this one in particular uh, has the same chance to maybe come back and, and bite them as as the you know multi-time transfer and waiver process and things like that. So I think in that regard, um, makes sense, gives you at least a, a fairly condensed window and you at least kind of know the pool of potential guys a little bit earlier in the process. And, and as teams go through and try to figure out what they want to do and how they want to roster build, that becomes at least a little bit easier. Um, so, but yeah, I don't think there's a downside to this. It doesn't, doesn't feel like to me uh, in that regard. So um and just to just to slip back to the uh, your your comment on on Jeff and Kathy's show, certainly a lot to be excited about 
with the women's program. Um, I think we do need to launch a full scale investigation into which media member did not uh, have Mackenzie Holmes as a first team uh, All Big Ten selection uh, when it was like if she wasn't a unanimous choice. I'm like she was one of the top three players in the country last year. How in the world would whatever? So it's completely said, ridiculous. Absolutely. Brian chiming in from Italy. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was so, dumb. Anyway, but but no, congrats to them and uh, lots to look forward to. I got the uh, podcast that you mentioned queued up to listen to while I'm doing some work tomorrow. So uh, look forward to hearing that. And uh, sounds like a lot of uh, positive reviews for them in the same way that we'll, of some of the things we've heard about the men's team as well. So lots of excitement for sure. My apologies. In case those sound uh, bites overshadowed what Andy was saying, he was saying McKenzie Holmes was not voted as a unanimous first team all Big Ten selection by the media. Someone didn't vote for her, which just ridiculous. Um, coach, do you have anything on either of those two stories before we move on? Uh, again, just thanks, uh, out to Jeff and Kathy, uh, doing, uh, the work is, is a good addition to what, to what we are doing. The covering the women's program is necessary. So uh, a big shout out there, uh, man, the transfer portal, they do need to tighten it up a little bit. I I've come full circle as, as an old guy and, and wanting guys to stay for four years and NIL. And I've come around on all of that, but there still needs to be some sensible regulation. The problem is how can it ever be, you know, enforced some of these things, but it seems to me there are people that are transferring way too easily or way too much. And, and I think you do want uh, young people to have that choice uh, but within reason, uh, some of these guys, uh, there's a quarterback that's playing in his fourth or fifth school. Um, you know, that, 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 that's not doing them a favor too. You, you know, you transferring is a serious decision. It can't just be easily done. So any way that it can make it better, I think it, it is good for, uh, athletics. Well, our next story is going to take us to the NBA. Uh, where teams are starting to practice. They just had their media day. The Los Angeles Lakers, who, of course, drafted Jalen Huchifino in the first round, had their very first practice. And some comments from their head coach, Darvin Ham, after that practice made the rounds on social media because they were about as effusive in their praise of a young player as I think I've ever heard. So I clipped it down. Here's about 30 seconds of it. The quality is not great because it's just an open, they're in an open gym and balls are bouncing. But I think you'll be able to hear what he says and get the gist of his thoughts on Jalen. Here we go. He just went out there and played. He plays with a lot of moxie. Plays again, like I mentioned, he plays with stability. You know, you can't speed him up, you can't slow him down. He's strong. He's, the, he's a fierce competitor in a silent way. So he, you're not just going to do whatever you want to do with him. He's going to guard the hell out of the ball, guard off the ball, try to rebound. Plays a powerful, powerful game uh, at that position individually. And so, uh, yeah, he was phenomenal yesterday. He was actually. I, I would. I don't think anyone would disagree if I called him the MVP of day one in scrimmage. But he was. He was very solid. We're really, really excited about it. The MVP of day one of practice is what uh, what Coach Ham said there. Uh, Coach, just I mean, that's great to hear about Jalen. And it was, you know, listening to the description sounded just like the player that we saw. You know, all, all, the whole year at Indiana, and you know, look, I think. You know, he's on the court with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and, you know, all these, you know, just terrific players for L.A. And when you're a young guy like that, obviously those guys probably aren't going, you know, at playoff pace on the very first practice. And that's kind of the role that you want the young guys to have, I would think, in practices like that is bring the energy, bring the intensity um, while everybody else ramps up. And it sounds like Jalen did exactly that. So, you know, still wonder how much he'll play uh, for the Lakers just because of how many veterans they have in the backcourt. 
and you know the goals they have of obviously making the finals. You know, I've kind of been assuming he'll spend some time in the G League, and maybe he will. But boy, you make an impression like that on your coach, maybe that gets you in the rotation right away. So certainly something to track. But it sounds like he couldn't have made a better impression on day one. Yeah, I think um, I, I think he's going to have a long uh, tenure in the NBA. I just don't know when it'll start. Uh, you know, with the roster construction and how the NBA goes about its business, uh, I think it's always good to get off to a good start and have your coach say something about about you. I think if anything, that's a sign that it may rush whatever process they had for him uh, in, in maybe the G League or 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 getting him into the rotation. I think you'll see it sooner. Maybe if he continues to impress and play that way, because the pros are bottom line. You know, if you can play and help us win, we're, we're going to find a spot for you. We're not going to stick to some uh, plan. If you're better than the other guys, you're going to play. But one practice is one practice. He, you know, he's got to build on that. And there's nothing wrong with being able to go down and get some time playing uh, in that G League. But that's good news. Good to hear. Yeah. yeah the, the other parts of the quote that I heard, he talked about him being a. 15 year point guard in the league yeah. and uh, talked about really wanting him to be more vocal and, and basically telling him to go home and just kind of like scream in your house and get used to being <laughs> louder and, and whatever. And I think that too kind of feels like what you, you know, what we saw with him uh, last year was never super demonstrative. And uh, I think deferred in a lot of cases to at least as a vocal leader to the guys who had been there longer. So uh, yeah, for a, a, a one a one day review of him, it's like yeah, that feels feels about right. Feels like you got the whole picture. So, uh, but no, like Coach said, better to be off to a good start than a bad one, and uh, we'll see how that may influence what their plans were for him and and things like that. They just, you know, they're an interesting situation given the you know kind of veteran nature of their team and the window that they have and what they're trying to do. But, um, you know that that best laid plans to go out the window if you got a guy that you really feel strongly about. So who knows what will happen. We'll see how he does the rest of camp and go from there. And look, most organizations and coaches are going to speak kindly of their, you know, first round draft picks in yeah. the media. You know, Steve Kerr had some comments about Trace Jackson Davis. I could have clipped those too. You know, they were filled with praise. The difference for this one for me is it was after a practice and it was so hyper-specific on not only the elements that make Jalen such a good player and prospect, but also the things he has to improve on. Uh, and that, to me, just shows a coach that is already really in tune with his development. And I just think that's a great sign uh, for what Jalen can do moving forward. One other story before we get to recruiting. Uh, last night, Logan Duncan posted uh, on his Twitter that he is stepping away from basketball for what he termed as, uh, quote, health reasons. Logan Duncan, of course, the four-star center from Cincinnati who committed to Indiana under Archie Miller, played here for a couple of years and then transferred uh, to Xavier, but just has never seemed to be able to get any footing. You know, had, you know, obviously issues. Um, a lot was talked about with his sinus issues. You know, had issues that kept him off the court. Um, but just, you know, I'm disappointing uh, for everybody, you know, how his career has gone from a basketball perspective. Um, but you know, if he's whatever help he needs, obviously we hope that he gets it and maybe the help he needs is just getting away from basketball. You know, there's a lot of pressure being a scholarship athlete and, you know, I don't know anything about the story, so I shouldn't speculate on, uh, on what it is. Um, but obviously we're all wishing him, uh, the best, uh, as he moves forward. Coach, I know, you know, you were uh, one of the people most excited about Logan when he came in, you know, based on some conversations that you had with his coach. Um, and I'm sure you share the feeling we all do of just kind of being disappointed at not being able to see what he could become as a basketball player. Cause there was a lot of potential there. It felt like. 
Yeah, I think coming out of high school, he was well regarded as a high motor, uh, good footwork, ability to shoot from outside, all of the things you'd want in a post player. He obviously needed time to develop. But in those two years at Indiana, you know, he, he did not develop. Uh, and, and for whatever the reason, and obviously a lot of health issues there, and you thought maybe a, a, a fresh start would unleash that potential, uh, being a junior and being around basketball for a couple years. You know, we talk all the time that, you know, unless you're that top-level athlete that can come in and produce right away as a freshman, it takes time, you know, uh, for guys to really be able to produce. So, you know, as a post player, you want to see the ability to go over each each shoulder. You, The best thing I heard from uh, the guy that I coached with and, and, and played against him and coached against him in Cincinnati is that he was an offensive rebounding machine. But it never translated. And and unfortunately, you do see that in, in when you go from one level, you're really good to the next. It may not translate uh, to the type of competition that you're playing in practice and in games. And I don't think it ever did for Logan on top of the health issues. And, uh, you know, just wish him nothing but the best and to finish his uh, academic uh, career there at Xavier and, and go on and do some some things that, that he would like to do. So wishing him the best. Mm-hmm. Andy, any thoughts on Logan? I no, I, I think you guys said it well. You know, you kind of hope that him coming back home, uh, being at Xavier, might be a chance for him to you know kind of rekindle things from a basketball perspective. And uh, really, they're a team that probably could use a little bit of help in the front court with some of the injuries they've had with Jerome Hunter being out, Zach Fremantle being hurt. Um, but uh, yeah, certainly just wish him the best, and uh, and hopefully uh, there's a lot more. Even though it doesn't feel like it sometimes in the middle of this, a lot more to to life than basketball. So. Um, you know, hopefully uh, he can get things sorted out and uh, and go from there. All right, last thing this segment, let's talk about recruiting a little bit. Um, and there's not, you know, a whole lot else to cover uh, above and beyond what I said in the banner moment because I think, you know, Andy, this is just kind of where we're at right now. We're Indiana's waiting on Liam McNeely, Boogie Fland, and Derek Queen. There's a lot of optimism about McNeely and Fland. You know, obviously there's you, know, you still have to wait and see what happens. Queen a little bit more uncertain. How are you approaching uh, – these recruitments here over the next couple of weeks uh you, you know you kind of just hope that the decisions are are made soon enough uh although the speculation does you know make for an enjoyable time i know in the rundown here you got your truly donovan decoder ring out and seem to uh oh, yeah <laughs> be able to try to connect the dots or like a you know you got the board up with the string connecting all the stuff there when you're uh somewhere in a room uh in your home but uh no, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of positive momentum. And, and as we've talked about before, it's great to hear that. It doesn't mean a whole lot until you get the actual commitment. And, and hopefully it's something where maybe there's a, a domino effect to some of those things. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, all, all you can do is kind of go by the the things and the clues and and, and all of that that you're hearing. And, and right now it seems to be positive from an IU perspective. Uh, and, and it's one of those where you just kind of hope that it happens uh, because the longer it goes, it's like, all right, well, what if, what if this happens in between you know, now and whatever? And, but uh feels like I used to put themselves in as good a position as they possibly can at this point. And uh, for now, you just kind of hope that these guys want to make some commitments and do that before they really get ramped up um, for their senior years. And I think that timing, uh, you know, would give everybody something to be extra excited about heading into the season and also be able to uh, kind of switch their focus from uh, a dual focus of watching recruiting and getting ready for the season to just being able to get ready for the season. So hopefully some good news comes sooner rather than later, but, uh, but uh, kind of at the mercy of, of when they want to do things and, uh, and, and all that. Coach, 
you should start your own burner account, Trilly Tonsoni, and just like tweet out, you know, random bracketology musings like they're like they're state secrets. What do you think? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that might be something. That might be a little fun. <laughs> well, how are you? Okay, how are you approaching the these, just, these recruitments? Just, I'm trying to patience as, as usual. You know, it's it's the old record with me. I'll get excited when we we hear the siren and we're doing the you know emergency podcast or it comes through in our uh, message or on social media that it has been confirmed and signed or at least confirmed, committed, and then signed. Uh, it is a little nerve wracking because so many eggs are in that basket, and and for Indiana to keep going on an upward path they're going to need to land at least one if not two and, and so all the stuff that we're hearing is positive but until we see that committed uh sign or tweet or whatever you just have to try to try to be patient otherwise uh then it's transfer portal time um it has to be almost um or picking up some pieces of of some relationships that you've had but it's getting it's really going to be uh, interesting if, if things do not go Indiana's way. So I'm just trying to be patient and plan what I'm going to say when I hear that siren in the middle of like econ or something and tell the kids to go to the library so I can <laughs> podcast. I, Up on I, the emergency I'm planning podcast. some of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know the look, librarian, so. And yes, you do. Look, you know, we, we are feeling optimistic. Obviously we're hearing a lot of stuff from an Indiana perspective. Um, and so, you know, there could be other stuff out there. And so, you know, look, I laid out through my banner moment that I'm feeling optimistic, like I'm feeling confident about it. But, you know, the commitments still have to happen. Um, so I don't you know, want any of us to get out over our skis. And, you know, there can be last second things. I mean, McKinsey and Baco's recruitment seemed to take many twists and turns there at the end, you know, and one of these could too, especially with, you know, with NIL and just all the things that there are now, there's lots of room for for twists and turns. So feeling good, but I'll feel a lot better uh, when we start to see the commitments rolling in. Now, Someone asked about this video. You know, I, I said in the banner moment, uh, you know, Trilly Donovan, what he does, he doesn't come out and say like, hey, Indiana's in a good position for, you know, Liam McNeely and Boogie Fland. He'll typically post, you know, some kind of GIF or some kind of video with clues that people can then decipher and argue about in his mentions. Uh, it's really, you know, become quite, you know, just a, almost like a sport for college basketball fans to do. And so what got a lot of people excited uh, a couple of days ago because it, you know, kind of came on the heels of, you know, a lot of other, you know, good little whispers that were coming out is he posted this video and the video was titled Liam Payne. That's the artist stack it up parentheses, official video featuring a boogie with the hoodie. All right. And so several people asked in the mailbag, like, what about that led you to think that this was good news for Indiana? And so allow me to break it down. Obviously just the names, Liam and boogie, those are big clues, right? Because obviously Indiana's recruiting Liam and Boogie. They're both there in the name. Stack It Up, the name of the song, of course, could suggest potentially stacking commitments of these two and then maybe later on of Derek Queen, which is what we hope. And then, of course, a Boogie uh, Wit. Yeah, I think it's Wit without an H. A Boogie Wit to Hoodie recently played a concert at Assembly Hall, so he was in Bloomington. And then also, when you actually listen to the song, which is a pretty good song, the chorus, I Got Money on My Mind, could potentially suggest the power of Indiana's NIL infrastructure. And so you add up all of those things, 
uh, and it was quite clear what he meant. Uh, and I'm pretty sure this has been confirmed that that's what he meant. So not necessarily that a commitment is coming. Usually if a commitment is coming, he'll post like a very specific GIF. Like he recently posted a GIF of a Memphis Tiger. Uh, and soon after that, Curtis Givens committed to Memphis. By the way, he's already predicted Liam McNeely to Indiana. Um, so that's already there hanging and we'll see how it is. But that is why when he posted that video, a lot of us immediately thought, hmm, on the same day, Indiana goes four deep to visit Boogie and Liam. This video comes out, other stuff happens. And so, so that's my breakdown. That's what I took from it. Andy, were you able to analyze the video and find any other clues that would, uh, suggest good news for the Hoosiers? I, I can honestly say I've not even looked at the video, so I, I cannot say for sure. Uh, I mean, if you told your younger self that at your current age, this is what you would be doing is breaking these down and looking for clues. I'm not sure what you would, I'm not, I'm not sure what you would think if you would feel good about it or bad about it in retrospect, but uh, I think you've done an excellent job of, uh, of trying to piece this together. Following college sports is so weird now. <laughs> it really is. Well, if you, if you go to the third verse, it, it has the word point in it. Okay, and, and there we point go. Point guard. And then, okay. then, you know, it also mentions slashing, which Liam does a lot of slashing. So, um, okay. yeah, and then it, you know, yeah. And I could grow hair, too. All of this is possibly connected somehow, you know, okay. like well, there we wisdom. Go. There we go. So, anyway, keep your eye out. Everybody's awaiting uh, their decisions. He did just post a GIF of Eleven from Stranger Things. I think she's like winking or something. Uh, and a lot of people think that is in relation to Indiana. So whether it's like someone's going to commit on the 11th, I have no idea. Um, but if you're looking for something to do, you can go read the comments there. Uh, so, someone put a comment under there. It was like, ooh, Trilly tasted that sweet IU fan engagement and is coming back for more. I was like, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a good point. He's get, he, he, he's <laughs> adding up the money for all the clicks and, and likes. Oh, gosh. So funny. So funny. All right. Let's move on to the next segment. Coming up here on Assembly Call Radio, we are going to turn our attention to the other big news stories from the week, the resumption of the IU Kentucky series, and the release of tip times and TV designations for the schedule, which is much crazier than it's ever been. Stick with us. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right. Well, hello to everybody who is here. Nice off-season turnout tonight. This is one of the bigger off-season turnouts that we have had. Everybody clearly here to hear me uh, break down video title names. Um, well, Trilly tweeted out that everyone should come to the show tonight. I don't know if you saw that tweet from Tw uh, Twilly or Trilly or whatever really? his name is. 
No. Oh, <laughs> dang. Come on, Jared. I thought, I thought maybe. Everybody knows Trilly is Tony Adranya, so I just figured maybe he was helping us out a little bit. Oh, well. All right. Nice to see you all here. It's nice to nice to be here. Um, guys, anything to discuss before we hop into talking about IU Kentucky? Are we good? Uh, no, I'm good to... I'm good to keep going. Although I am still waiting for those uh, dramatic readings of Gucci main lyrics that coach was going to do a yeah. few shows ago that you felt like I was promised. And then, you know, yeah, coach. I mean, now he's getting, now he's going to get I, deep into the, uh, into the catalog of uh boogie with the hoodie. So, I mean, that's right. It's really going to, I it did get here. me some street, street cred with my students. Cause I forget what I was talking about. And I said, yeah, just like Gucci Mane or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And all kids <laughs> like, who's this old fart talking about Gucci Mane? I said something like, yeah, the other day I was on my porch, had my headphones on, listen to a little Gucci Mane. I thought about this lesson. They're all like, <laughs> so that, that's something that came out. Uh, that's funny. That is funny. Oh, okay. So I should mention this. Um, and Ari, let's make sure that we leave this part in the podcast. Because um, several people have asked me like about Hoosier hysteria. You know, folks with small kids are a little bit worried about having their small kids there for the Gucci Mane performance if it's, you know, going to be uncensored. Um, so I, you know, talked to Jeremy Gray at Indiana, and he said that basically the way they're going to do it is we'll have the full Hoosier hysteria. There'll be about a 10-minute break, and then Gucci Mane will perform. They're not like censoring him. I know that one of the people who asked uh, was like, you know, is it going to be like Kansas with stripper poles and all that stuff? And, and Jeremy said, no, probably not that. But if you're worried about language, then it's probably not something that you want your kids to be at. Otherwise, you know, that's that's kind of the story. So there'll be a little gap there in time, you know, where folks can leave after Hoosier Hysteria. Um, and then, you know, obviously that performance will be there. And, you know, the performance obviously isn't for us and it's not for the younger members of the audience, uh, but it is for the students and the recruits, which is perfectly fine. I think it's great. Um, but just in case anybody had that question, um, that should give you a little bit of guidance on how to make your decision. Uh, okay, let's hop into segment two. Here we go. Hey, guys, it's Gene Steratour, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know, I have never listened to the assembly call. And to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen, make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon. It would be hilarious to watch Ryan ref a game. I would love to see that sometimes, especially if Coach was coaching. And just like see the two of you end up getting at each other. <laughs> we need to make that happen on one of these one of these trips up. Welcome back to the assembly call. Thank you, Gene. As always, we appreciate the intro. I'm Jared Morris here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms. Guys, let's talk about probably the biggest news item from the week: the resumption of the IU Kentucky series. Gosh, it's so funny that you know we started the show in 2011. Have the watch shot, like the ninth or tenth show, whatever it is, and that's the last <laughs> scheduled game between IU and Kentucky. We've had two others in the NCAA tournament, but it's just felt like it's been kind of one of those talking points that's just kind of always there, and it's become so tired and boring to talk about, and really kind of felt like no one had talked about it for you know a little while, except for a few rumors here or there that something might be happening, and now boom, all of a sudden it's back. 
So we'll break down uh, exactly what it's going to look like. I do want to recommend a great piece that our friend Eamon Brennan wrote uh, in his Substack newsletter called Buzzer. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, you know, basically, it's all about how, you know, just Mike Woodson and his just kind of disposition and how he views things was really important for getting the series back. Because as we'll talk about, you know, the four games, there's two at Rupp, one at Lucas Oil, and one at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And that has always been the big sticking point, right? You know, Kentucky doesn't want to come back to Assembly Hall, but we wanted to have, you know, have it be even in terms of, you know, home games. Uh, you know, and as Eamon basically says, like, Woody just doesn't care <laughs> about any of that stuff or how it looks or anything. He wants the series back. He wants Indiana back playing, you know, the big basketball brands. And so he was willing to give a little uh, to get it. And so it's a, it's a great piece. Uh, but more than that, you know, Eamon is a Hoosier and he's doing great writing. And look, anytime that you can support a an email newsletter uh, where the two teams that get the most focus are Indiana and Virginia, uh, you know that's something that's going to be right up my alley. So definitely make sure that you subscribe to Eamon's newsletter because it's awesome. Um, but let me go to you guys. Andy, let's start with you. Um, what are your thoughts on the resumption of the series? And most importantly, do you have any misgivings about how it came about and, you know, Indiana potentially capitulating, um, you know, to give up one of the home games? Yeah. I, before I, I dive into that, I, I would echo what you said about uh, Eamon's piece this week. And it also had another one earlier. I think it was earlier this week or as late last week um, about IU and, and how some of the expectations were coming in and, and kind of a look at the team there, which was also really good. So yep. uh, a lot of good stuff from him as, as you would expect. Um, yeah. In terms of the series, I, to me, it's all of this is about negotiation, right? IU is not in a position of power in this negotiation. People can pretend that they are, pretend that they should be. They weren't. From a relevancy perspective, IU has not been on a national scale where Kentucky has been. Kentucky's already in the Champions Classic. They're already in that the other CBS one where they have another set of teams or typically in some of these other big events. Like they and I thought Eamon said it well, like it probably doesn't mean as much to, to Kentucky fans as it does to IU fans. And I think it wasn't a game that Kentucky felt like they had to have. So you're pro if you really feel strongly enough that you want to get that back on the schedule, you're probably going to have to give a little bit more because you are not in the position of power. You are not on equal footing as much as you want to be. And maybe someday will be to do that. And so I think to do it this way and get it back on the schedule, um, you know, I don't find it embarrassing. I don't what I mean, it it's a reflection of the state of the program right now and the state of where the two programs are. Uh, and so for those who really want to get it back on the schedule, you got it. And I think that's exciting. I think um, it'd be interesting to see what they do with the Lucas Oil. And I know uh, it sounds like I will control most of the tickets for that. And we've all got great memories of some of these other neutral court games where you got the road on the middle and there's blue on one side and red on the other. And um, so it may not be like that if IU really does maintain control of those. And, uh, you know, you can insert your own joke about how Calipari is not going to be around for the one in uh, Assembly Hall anyway. Uh, hell, Woodson might not be, you know, at this, you know, given his age and kind of where, you know, he might not be either. But he doesn't. I yeah. think that was, you know, one of the points that he made. Like, he doesn't really care. He he recognizes the importance of the rivalry. He wants IU to play in some of these bigger games, is willing to play people uh, on, you know, on their home floors. And I think the reality is this is pretty much what it was going to take to get it done or you weren't going to have the series. So you got to decide because uh, I don't think you were going to get it to a point where it was going to be an exact, you know, match home and home just based on where the teams are. 
And if at the end of these four years, the programs are in a different place and you go back to the negotiating table and you're in a better position, then maybe things look different for the next set of four games. But right now felt like this was what you needed to do in order to get it back on the schedule. And I don't really have uh, any misgivings about it at this point. Um, that's well said, Andy. I'm with you hundred percent coach. Do you feel the same feel differently at all? Yeah, I, I liked, I liked the rivalry and, and when it went away, I really wasn't, I really wasn't bothered by it going away. Um, to be honest, I don't know why I appreciate all the fans that do and all the fans that are glad that it's back. I'm glad we had the ultimate more. mic drop for the, for the you end know. of the rivalry. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I just was glad that we're starting to schedule better uh, than than the years, uh, you know, in between uh, the watch shot and that. Um, you know, the Arizona game was nice. The Auburn game's nice. The series with Kansas, uh, playing UConn. So, to me, the bigger idea, and I said that in my opening statement, is play more. Um, play more. And we were hamstrung with the Butler and, and the Notre Dame, and I still think you should schedule an off game with them on a Tuesday night or something, and with a Butler or Indy or a Notre Dame that used to or happen. really anywhere that Micah Shrewsbury is yeah. catching. I mean, is where who you exactly. Really want to yeah. Um, yeah, but we see right Indiana through, used like, to maybe right just they used to play the hyper that I could attend. <laughs> but in all seriousness, though, they used to play Kentucky and Notre Dame and other teams that weren't uh, East, uh, you know, Dakota State of you know New Hampshire or something like that, right? Um, Does home field carry I, East just, Dakota State of New Hampshire? They, they're they're going to after this podcast. Um, <laughs> you got to schedule tough, and you can schedule too tough. Michigan State's done that a couple times where they've scheduled too many of these games. But I'm just happy that they're doing it. And then I'm going to always point out the positive too. Is like the society right now has a grievance about everything. We just signed a four year contract to get Kentucky back. And here's the other thing. You know how many IU fans would love to see an IU Kentucky game? And there's seventeen thousand. Uh, and there's going to be at least 35,000 Indiana tickets or 30-some thousand Indiana tickets. So we, we talk about the opportunities with the Hoosier Ticket Project and all this. There are going to be people who are going to be able to go to Lucas Oil and see Indiana basketball in a huge rivalry. I think that gets caught up with the home-and-the-way stuff, too. And, and, and that's where Hoosier hysteria and some of these um, – the the free situations where you can get families and kids and what the Hoosier ticket project is. Let's stop being so aggrieved when something positive happens. And then we got to find the negative. I mean, it's just, it's just everything in the world today is, Oh, it's good. But uh, we, we didn't get, no, we have an opportunity to put 30 some thousand people in cream and crimson and beat Kentucky and see, have a lot of people see it. You go to Kilroy's, you have their awesome breadsticks and 18 beers, and then before you go, and it's just a good time. Um, so I'll challenge everyone. Get off the, get off the, you know, the high horse here and about being upset about how it was negotiated and where it's at. We're playing Kentucky. We're kicking their ass four times, and, and then we're going to have an opportunity uh, in a big place. Like, Indiana basketball is coming back under Mike Woodson. Quit finding grievances. Point out the problems, honest in your criticism, and then get off them and enjoy the fact that a lot of us can go see the game now. Sorry. Take that to the school board. That's right. Except, except for the people who have 18 beers, boards. they'll not be seeing the game, but everyone <laughs> no. else could probably. No, those poor people. <laughs> or the folks from East Dakota. Wait, what was it? East Dakota State of New Hampshire? Who yes. they, may have, they may have a game that night, so they may and not they, be able I, to they, see it. They got a point guard, I'm telling you now. I've been reading up on college <laughs> basketball for bracketology. <laughs> They got this point card. <laughs> Might be a transfer. Tra- yeah, transfer option. 
Yeah, no, coach, yeah. That, that's such a great point. It really is a great point. I firmly agree. The series is back. That's a good thing. Save your grievances for things that really matter, like Xavier Johnson not being high enough on preseason Big Ten lists. That's the stuff that you should air your public grievances about. That's the stuff that matters. This coach just shakes his head. Um, okay, here, here's the one thing that I will say. Um, Festivus, airing of grievances. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the the one thing that I will – very happy that the series is back. Um, you know, obviously, whenever this conversation comes up, you get lots of talk about the watch shot, and my goodness, how are IU fans still celebrating the watch shot? Here's something that I want to say. There, is, there are very few opinions on this earth that matter less to me than a Kentucky fan's opinion about the watch shot and how Indiana fans choose to celebrate it. And even some Indiana fans, you know, are talking about how, you know, maybe this is overdone. I know it was – you know, they reenacted it at the – the fan fest. I don't understand why that's a big deal. To me, the only people who would have a problem with that are those who have forgotten the context of that moment or never understood it in the first place. It was a perfect storm that led up to a single moment and the damn shot went in. Uh, and I realize it was just a regular season game, but that doesn't matter in the moment. And even reflecting back, it felt like more than that for the program. So who cares if you want to do what you want if you're over it fine but if you want to celebrate it and you still think it's cool you should do it and you sure as hell shouldn't let some kentucky fan tell you otherwise uh because they hightailed it out of there with the tail between their legs as fast as they could never to come back until 2028 or whatever it is so anyway i'm ready i'm ready to get this series back going again this is going to be fun very very fun um all right any final thoughts on iu kentucky we're good to move on Okay. I, I will say this. I, I will not say the quote. My oldest son uh, texted me when it came back about Kel. He wanted me to say it, but it involved some inappropriate language. But a lot of people are really, you know, I said don't air the grievances, but they think Kel's soft. So my son said, put it on the show. There you go, Brandon. <laughs> Kel is soft. I, I, I left out the other words. Um, but, yeah, it, it's good to be back. Yeah. Rivalries a real man are, are good for the sport. To, a real man would have wanted to avenge a loss like that. Yes. But no. Yes. He just took his ball and went home to Lexington. But now it's back, and that's what matters. Okay. So did you all see the TV designations for this year? You know, usually it's okay. We're going to have some games on ESPN, some games on CBS, maybe one, you know, here on the Big Ten. Like, it's expanded over the years. But now it's just gotten ridiculous. So I went through – and looked at this. And here is the breakdown. These are all of the networks you are going to need access to this season to make sure that you don't miss an Indiana basketball game. Ready? There are three games on BTN Plus. That's against the exhibition games against Indianapolis, Marion, and Kennesaw State. And by the way, those games are spread out. The first one is October 29th. The last one is December 29th. So if you really, if you started on the 29th and end on the 29th, you might be able to get out of it with just the two months uh, of paying for the two months, but you are going to have those three games there. There are 12 games on regular Big Ten Network, okay? There's three games on the ESPN family of networks, which is the UConn game, uh, and the Empire Classic will be on ESPN. Then the following day's game will be against Louisville or Texas, that's on ESPNU, and the Auburn game is on ESPN2. There will be three games on CBS, Kansas, Maryland, and Michigan State. There will be three games on Fox. There will be four games on FS1. And there will be five games on Peacock this season. That is Michigan, Rutgers, Purdue, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. Like five really good games that are going to be on Peacock. And so you're going to need access 
to all of those to watch. Hopefully by now you've figured out how to watch the games on Fox and on BTN plus, um, you know, now you got to get Peacock. And by the way, I will say if you haven't signed up for Peacock yet, uh, Alex Bozich over at inside the hall, uh, very deftly, uh, figured out an affiliate deal with Peacock. And so if you're going to sign up with Peacock, go to his site and click on his link. Cause it'll help support them. You're going to pay money to Peacock anyway. And if you don't know what the link is, just send a tweet to add inside the hall. I'm sure he'll send it to you. Uh, but let's, you know, let's support each other here. Um, but those are all the games. Uh, we'll get to the tip times here in a second. Andy, just curious to get your thoughts uh, on the continued expansion uh, of all these networks. And the very curious choice to me to put those high-profile games on Peacock, although I guess from their perspective it makes sense because you darn sure know you're going to get all those fans to sign up for those games because, you know, you're going to want to watch them. So a diabolical plan, and we're all just here shelling out the money to support it. Yeah, it's odd. And and you see kind of what the Big Ten's deal with Fox you know how it manifests itself i use got three games on the you know i looked at what you put together like three games on the espn family of networks how many you know super tuesday games over the years and, and different things like that so it's definitely a new a new era the, the peacock thing is interesting and i think you see you know i think it's happened a little bit in football people have talked about it um it, it's hard because i think as a business you're you want to try to ride the line between, okay, I need want to get compelling enough content on here in games where somebody's going to actually want to do it uh, without ideally, like maybe making it as obvious as what they made. it. <laughs> I think it's on some level and maybe, maybe they don't care. Um, but yeah, you put IU Purdue on there. I think a number of the good, I think IU Iowa women's game is on there as well. I believe I saw uh, or one, one of those, um, you know, two games is as well. So, uh, they definitely are leaning into the, yeah, we're going to force you to get this um, if you really you want to watch some of these bigger games, which, like I said, from a business standpoint, uh, I certainly understand um, what's hard is you just don't know what you know, what is the actual like production value going to be. Hopefully it's going to be really good. Right. Um, but um, you just don't know. And, and so. Uh, you know, people I'm sure will be lining up to do it. One of them is the early big 10 game against Michigan. Um, and so, you know, be able to get it, maybe a preview of what that looks like there. I've not watched any of the, um, that's, you know, one service we actually don't have yet. Um, so haven't watched any of the college football games that are on there. Uh, I would actually encourage them to put a lot of the IU football games on there because that would prevent me in my current state from, uh, watching them. Uh, but you know, I, I'm, I'm sure we'll all give it a go and, and kind of see what happens, but, uh, yeah, a pretty, a pretty, uh, a pretty clear, uh, ploy to get people to, to sign up for the service by putting some of those games in there. Like the IU Purdue game, like that one to me is really just kind of like, you know, there's no hiding what the, what the motivation is for putting that one on there at that point. No, you know, and look, Peacock, I, I got on Peacock my uh, my father in law is a big Notre Dame fan, and so they have uh, you know like the Notre Dame spring game on there. So I was trying to help him watch that, and then I was going through the Office because they have the Office super fan episodes on there. I think of all the streaming services, Peacock is the one with the user interface that I hate the most. I just found it very unintuitive, and I'm hoping that they fix it, you know, and maybe other people will pick it up a little bit quicker than I did. For some reason, I just had problems with it. Um, Coach, billion dollar business idea. Why don't we just bundle all these different services up? We'll call it cable. Uh, and then everybody will just have access to everything. What do you think? 
I think we're, you know, all that money that we get from the TV contracts, we're all paying for it with all these different streaming services. You know, we're, we're happy to have all this money and, and stuff for, for our school. But, you know, again, I'm Mr. Positive today. Yeah, you are. Indiana Purdue on Peacock. St. Peter's Peacocks beat Purdue oh, every time okay. Purdue plays on Peacock they are going to remember <laughs> that one of their best teams got beat they can't get away from stuff yes <laughs> okay. so once again I know it's a pain I know it's extra money but just pay it to know that all these people just this direction over here are going to have to subscribe to Peacock, Peacock. <laughs> they have to make their strut of destiny over to the remote control and turn on Peacock. That's right. Sometimes when life sucks, it throws you, you know. That's a great point, Just Coach. something good. That is a, that is a no, great I, uh, point. It, and I think most of the world now is cutting the cord from – I got rid of satellite and that. And, and I actually saved some money, so the extra cost has been okay. I've been able to absorb some of that. And I understand that's yeah. frustrating to people who can't do that. Um you know, so if you're in the Lafayette area and there's a game on Peacock, just tell me you're coming over. I got room down here, a bar and a beer fridge. Uh, if you don't want to subscribe to Peacock, uh, I'll charge you $2.99 uh, for a beer. Um, <laughs> Come no over, have 18 beers, and then just <laughs> 18 beers, and then we'll have Miss Tonsoni. Amy will drive you home. It's a heck of a deal. <laughs> you can celebrate on the porch afterwards. It'll have the full Tonsoni I'll, experience. I'll donate, I'll donate all that money back to NIL. Uh, Hoosiers connect or Hoosiers for good. I will, you know, you want to come up here a couple of bucks, got a new recliner down here. We're ready to go, but um, it's tough. You know, like Andy said, ESPN, you get used to it. I mean, I'm the old, you know, channel four and, and, and the mop lady coming on. Things have just changed and, and I'm trying to be better as an old person to not be so grumpy about it. And, and I really have appreciated the streaming, uh, and I have several of those subscriptions, so um, I, yeah. I'm okay with that um, to it's, some extent. It, it, you just got to do what you got to do or go find a local bar that will stream it and, you know, uh, and watch it there. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I'm overplaying it a little bit. It's not that bad, although I do dislike the Peacock user interface. Um, but, it, you know, yeah. seriously, you know, for any of you, you know, who maybe just aren't as comfortable navigating the different services, if you have questions, send me an email or post them in the community. Uh, and if it would help to like film some tutorial videos or whatever, we'd be happy to do it. Cause I know some people reached out last year with questions and we used to do that for, you know, how to do BTN plus. I think by now everybody's familiar with how to get BTN plus. Um, but if you have questions on that stuff, like, you know, don't hesitate to ask because we've all been confused by it at one point or another. Um, and so we're, uh, we're happy to help. If it means another IU fan is watching the game uh, and watching us kick Purdue's butt, um, then we are happy to help make that happen. Um, all right. Let's talk about the tip times, which is Ryan's favorite subject. So I'm very disappointed that he can't be here with us uh, to discuss this. Uh, but just a wide variety of tip times. And really the ones that people care about the most are the late ones and the early ones. So Indiana has two noon tips. Both of the Penn State games are, are noon tips. So I'm Penn so State glad basketball. we get to experience a noon tip with Ryan in person. Oh, my Just God. That's right. We're going to be at that cannot game. Cannot wait. Oh, that's funny. Mm -hmm. That is funny. The complaining all weekend is just going to be epic. Uh, but on the bright side, the game will be over at, you know, 2 o'clock unless it's another three overtime game against Penn State. Uh, and then we'll have the whole afternoon to hang out. For, you know, I guess we'll probably do a live event uh, after the game in the late afternoon, something like that. 
Uh, so that might actually make it um, pretty fun. So there's that. The Kansas game is going to tip at 1230. These times are all Eastern. UConn is at one. Auburn's at two. Uh, and then you go to the other end of it. There are seven games that are eight o'clock Eastern or later. Um, so you've got the Purdue game and the Ohio State game both tip at eight. Nebraska, North Alabama, and at Wisconsin, our chance to end the stupid streak at the Kohl Center. That one starts at 8.30, and then there are three 9 o'clock tips. Andy's favorite, uh, Minnesota, Michigan, and Nebraska. So those are all the, one, the ones where Andy's just like nodding off into his microphone by the end of the show. Uh, always, always appreciate that. Yeah, I can make my peace with the early tips, but as you get older, it's not. It's one thing for the game to be then, but the knowing that you got to do a show for an hour plus after things get, and, and knowing that nothing, literally, no game at nine o'clock ever starts at nine o'clock. So you might my as favorite... well just make them nine fifteen. I mean, the people who are scheduling these are the same people who schedule soccer tournaments or basketball games with the games back to back and act as if everything's going to go on schedule and then. Uh, when that's literally never happened before. So yeah, same thing with these. So count on each of these tipping off at nine 15, the show starting at 1130. And, uh, and then we go from there on the bright side, not having ESPN games means that there will be fewer opportunities to have to go to the ESPN app to watch the first 10 minutes of a game with the Spanish language broadcast on, which has happened several times. So at least we won't, uh, we won't have to fight that. The other stations seem to do a little bit better job. Uh, when games go long. And also, you know, Andy, the best part about those late tips is uh, typically the first person to complain about like needing to wrap the show up or go home is Ryan, who is in the West Coast. <laughs> so Andy's just there as a good trooper, like looking at his watch. Oh, yeah, it's one o'clock local time, but let's finish up the show. And, you know, Ryan's trying to hurry us up, but that's okay. That's, that's what we deal with. We just hope he's having fun out in Italy eating his spaghetti. Uh, any, any final thoughts gentlemen, on the, uh, on the TV schedule? I'm just, you know, one of my favorite things to do, I know I've talked about this before, like you can really easily now just go to one of those schedule apps, or I think even just, if you go to the schedule on the official IU site, you can like click and download it to your calendar. I love putting it in manually. I don't know why there's something about putting the games in manually on my calendar, uh, that I enjoy because it's just, you know, you kind of go through it. I feel like I get a better sense of what the schedule is going to be and what it's like because I'm going through and kind of doing it manually. So I don't know if anybody else does that, but I continue to to like doing that. I, I print I do out. The th- I do old. the thing where you click on it and it puts it on your calendar for you. <laughs> yeah, I do too. But then I print out two copies, <laughs> one to circle the games I want to cover uh, live and get media credentials. And then the other one I put on the fridge. So Amy knows when we're going to do shows and when not to schedule a, you know, a movie night or something. So I still print them out. Nice. But I on don't, paper. I don't enter them manually. Yeah. Paper. Nice. Limitless paper and a paper. One of them just for, one of them just for a passive aggressive <laughs> move to just post a schedule around the house. So, I mean, what are you, yeah. you going to go wrong with that? <laughs> yeah. Here you go. <laughs> who need, who needs the wedding invitations on the fridge? Just, I need a right. you schedule on the fridge. That's right. Your kids' pictures are getting knocked off and the yeah. schedule's going right. Brandon, Brent, who needs them? They're out of the house anyway. <laughs> they don't need no pictures. Uh, okay. Well, that is enough schedule talk. Uh, coming up here on Assembly Call Radio as we transition into segment three, it is mailbag time. We got a bunch of great questions, including the most epic question we have ever gotten. That is coming next. We'll try to answer it, but I don't know if we're going to be able to. Stick with us.
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Tech savvy people here in the chat mob who just do the one click. You know, the benefit of doing that is when there are scheduled changes, they automatically update in your calendar. So it is certainly much more efficient uh, and probably the all around better option. I guess it's just one of those, you know, I don't know, old habits that I cling to because they're kind of fun. It's like keeping score at a baseball game for me, kind of. Does anybody do that anymore? It's been a while since I've been to a baseball game. Does anybody still keep score? Yeah, I yeah. do. I okay. used to keep I, score at home. Yeah, my nephew will do it. They've, they've, him and my brother-in-law will go to a bunch of games, and, and typically one of them will, uh, will do it. Nice. Very good. I see All something. Right. I, I see something in in the chat. Um, I uh, Heath is talking about. Uh, I think they did. Indiana did release um, some po- potential season tickets uh, today. Um, a few came open or something. So I don't oh, know. Really? If it depended on your your points or whatever. Um, I think in a week or so there's a deadline. I think they're restricted view, which means you don't see the scoreboard. They must be top row of the main level. Um, so again, I don't know how who qualifies or who doesn't, um, but yeah, Heath uh, that that had that did come out today. So there are some questions in the chat about that. Megan says noon for meetup weekend. I'm gonna miss everything. No, the party doesn't really start, Megan, until you are there. So there will be lots of you know, there's lots of initial festivities, the game you know, whatever kind of event we do. But trust me, it doesn't really start until you're able to come out and meet us out there. So we won't, we're going to make sure Coach paces himself with the 18 beers. It's got to, you know, go over a long period of time. So he's he's out when you're ready. But don't worry, we got your back. What Megan means is she doesn't get home from the night before, much before noon. When <laughs> yeah, I will, with say, us. I will say the noon, yeah, the noon that's makes it, it problem. Yeah, that's quick recovery from Friday night and a long Saturday. Yeah. Uh, Last which year probably dovetails nicely with I, I love the two comments back to back. One of them was Megan's, and the next was I'm Brad. I get drunk at baseball games. <laughs> I'm not keeping score. I, no, I'm drinking those 18 beers. That's what I'm Brad does. <laughs> you better uh, you better take out a home equity loan before you go drink 18 beers at a baseball game, given what the uh, amount of that's going to be. But yeah, I, last I need year, to. I need to go ahead. Now, I was just going to say, last year when we went up there, I taught that podcasting class. So I was teaching the class in the morning because the game wasn't until was it, it was late afternoon or early evening start uh, last year, that Purdue game. I can be able to do that this year unless the class starts really early. And I don't think any of the students will like me if we have an early class on Saturday morning just to, you know, accommodate my basketball schedule. So we'll see. Coach, were you going to say something? Oh, I always say something. It's probably not worth a crap, so I forget now. <laughs> all right. Let's I go got Megan. The- Megan's texting me now. All, hey, buddy. <laughs> Sorry, Tell Megan, Megan that we're in the middle of doing a professional show, and she should leave you alone. Absolutely. Restrict comments to just the chat, please. We need, we need Coach Focused, <laughs> because we have a question from Jay coming up, which hasn't happened in a while, so oh, get ready. Oh, Lord. I wish, <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of things from these meetups that I wish we, we had on camera that we'd capture the audio for. The late night argument, where were we? Was it at, uh, were we at Crazy Horse? Where, 
Where Might were we when, when you and Jay were just going out? Crazy it, horse. <laughs> bracketology. At like one o'clock in the morning. Or yeah, bracketology. That's what it was. Oh my. And Brad that Underwood. Was, <laughs> that was that was um that was some intense that we needed to record that. That would have been a very entertaining episode, but <laughs> only the people who were there will have the memory of that. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Devontae. It's awesome seeing Devontae back on campus a couple of weeks ago. I'm Jared Morris. This is the Assembly Call that you are listening to here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms. Uh, and Jen does make a good point in the chat, Mom. She says the... Not sure I like the quotes there. The quote professional show stops in all caps for Megan. That is true. <laughs> that is true. We learned we learned long ago. But hey, look, Megan was one of our very first listeners. She, you know, the the show does stop for her. So that's okay. We love Megan. Um, all right, mailbag time. Most of or actually all the questions this week submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community. You can learn more and you can join at assemblycall.com slash community. Um, we'll be promoting it more as the season, uh, comes, uh, gets a little bit closer, but highly recommend you join, um, lots of great discussions in there. You get access to the IU film room emails that we send out every week. Coaches, coaches corner. Uh, what'd you talk about this week on the coaches corner, uh, attacking ball screens? guarding, uh, or- guarding, uh, how I would guard the high double ball screen that uh, guarding. coach yes. Adrania showed. Yeah. 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 So great. I mean, that's a weekly, uh, segment that's in there. So there's a whole bunch of extra stuff if you like what you're getting here on the show and you want more um you know you can go in there and it's just it's a lot of fun um and we ramp things up once the season uh starts as well all right well it is nice that we have a question from jay because it means that we can play this beautiful song it's not that good but it's not that bad it's jay's mediocre question Anytime we can get more Bob Thompson music in the show, we like to do it. Uh, okay, and this is a meaty question. As I, as Jay and I talked about when he submitted this question, we could probably do a whole episode on it. But um, in the new transfer portal era of recruiting, what's the ideal number of freshmen in an incoming class? Assuming the answer is it depends, can you discuss what it depends on in terms of talent level, roster building, etc.? cetera? Uh, Coach, do you want to take a crack at this one first? Total number of freshmen in a recruiting. What's class. the ideal number I of would, freshmen? Yeah, in an incoming class, and what are the factors? So you you have what thirteen scholarships that comes down to like if you break it up three to four even. I would say three or less because of the transfer portal, um, and then depending on you know uh, obviously it depends on who leaves early and, and all of that. But freshmen are freshmen, even good freshmen are freshmen. All right, so. I would say the ideal number for me is is three, uh, because you can supplement that with some some transfers. And I think coaches have to look at the transfer portal. Uh, I don't. I think the days of just getting freshmen a three or four or four or five man class are are, are gone because you need to win and you need to win yesterday and you need to win tomorrow. Uh, you know you can't have a, a a rebuilding or a reloading year. So I think you have to supplement those two pieces of recruiting. So I would say three. Andy, what do you think? Yeah, that was I, I was inclined to 
be in the three or four range. Cause I think you got to go in with the assumption that you're not going to have for one reason or another, you're not going to have them for that long anyway, due to the transfer portal or whatever. Maybe that's not the right way to think of it in terms of like, well, I just go in knowing that this guy's not going to stay, but given the percentages of people who are leaving, I think the other thing that you think about is dependent upon what level you're recruiting on. So uh, again, if you, um, if you're getting a lot of one and done guys, maybe that number could be higher. Um, but I just don't think you can plan for a lot of them to stick around for one reason or another. Uh, so to me, I'd say three, four at the absolute most, uh, I was almost inclined to say two, quite honestly. Um, but I, I think three feels about right if you're getting, and I think if you're getting three, I think two of them, I'm kind of answering this from an IU perspective, not just from a general college basketball perspective. You know, I think two of them need to be pretty highly rated guys who there's a reasonable chance that they're only there for one year and then go into the NBA. Um, so that's kind of what I, and then maybe one of the, you know, maybe you hope that you're going to keep the other one and watch them develop over a, a period of time, but, uh, or at least over a couple of years. But that, that was my initial inclination at least. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of feel like the way Indiana did it this year, like this incoming recruiting class, uh, is, or the, the recruiting class that, you know, is freshman this year is a pretty good way to do it. I mean, Mbako is an instant impact five-star guy. And then you've got two guys, you know, a guy in Gabe cups who probably projects as a, you know, a four-year guy doesn't, you know, had a lot of stability with his high school career. So he's not the kind of guy who profiles is going to hop around. Like you feel pretty good that he's going to be here for a while. And then Ja'Kai Newton is kind of a wild card. Um, and you know, not just about his injury, but I mean, he was a guy that, you know, was really kind of rocketing up lists and has a ton of potential, you know, and so he could be a four-year guy or he could really blossom and be gone sooner than that. Like you just don't know. Um, and so that composition of class is interesting, you know, and I, and I think what it depends on Andy, you hit on a good one there, uh, you know, which is how many of these guys are instant impact. I also think coach, you know, some of it comes down to, you know, what your roster looks like. And so to me, I would not want to have a freshman point guard and a freshman big, right? I want at least one of those positions to have experience. So it's like last season, I mean, last season, it looked like Indiana was going to have both, but then X gets hurt. And so you're relying on a freshman and Jalen Huchifino, but you've got your senior big to kind of be an anchor. This year it's flipped. X is your anchor as a point guard. He can really kind of anchor that defense and you're relying on some younger guys on the back line. I think you, you know, so as you look at it, you know, if you're, you know, now we kind of look at what Indiana is going to be doing next year, right? You're going to lose X. Hopefully we lose Kalel Ware because that means he had a great season. Hopefully you lose McKenzie and Baco. And so now you look at it next season. Well, then if you get Boogie Fland, right, he steps in as your point guard. And then, you know, Derek Queen, if you get him, he would step in at center along with Malik Renew. And now you're probably going to want to go in the portal and get an experienced rim protector. Uh, who can you know really defend down there because Malik and, and Derek really aren't those guys. Um, so that that would be kind of my roster consideration, which is I want experience in at least one of those spots if I can't get it in both. Are there any other, you know, shooting obviously is one. Anytime you can get experience shooting, I think you want to get it um, because it's very hard for a freshman to come in and impact your shooting. Those guys are rare. Um, so those are some of the considerations I would have if I was a coach. Are there any others that kind of pop out from a roster construction standpoint? No, I, I think you hit on a really good point of experience. I think the good programs get old and stay old uh, that that have a lot of success. Uh, yes, you have the Dukes and the Kansas and uh, that ha bring in a lot of young guys, and it's hit or miss. It's it's either you exceed expectations or or you fall way way short. 
I, I think the recipe, you know, is that Villanova type uh, thing where you sprinkle uh, the 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 really good guys, whether they're transfer portal guys or they're the five star freshmen, with some uh, experience, and that's where the transfer portal is so good because you can go out and get some guys that can that that have played, uh, and I think just think you have to do that, and that's why the numbers of actual freshmen. Yes, you might get a guy like a Trey Galloway that you build for three or four years. You'd love to get at least one, maybe two of those, but I think Andy was spot on too. You want to get one or two impact guys. You want to get a guy or two that can build to that experience. And if anything is missing, then you go to that transfer portal. Uh, I think the combination of, of, of those two answers is, is a perfect uh, recruiting in, in this time period for college basketball. You know, and, and the other thing too is it's, it's pretty rare for a freshman, what's obviously rare for a freshman to impact you from an experience standpoint because they have none. It's also rare for a freshman to impact from a toughness standpoint um, just because you know a lot of times they don't understand what it takes, the physicality at the college level, and the body's not developed. And this is where I really think as the offseason has gone on, and I mean, we talked about this when the guys committed, but the more we've learned about them, I just think the additions of Peyton Sparks and Anthony Walker are huge for this program. Um, with so much experience and toughness out the door, you know, and guys like Cop and Race Thompson and those guys, you bring in Sparks and Walker and they help you solidify that as much in practice as they do in the games. And so that's not something you recruit for uh, in, with the high school guys. Now you do, you want a guy like Trey Galloway who's there for four years and helps you build your culture. But like this season, if you're looking at it and you're like, man, where's our experience and toughness going to come from? That you go get out of the portal and you don't try to recruit it from your freshman. Jared, I think that's an excellent point about bringing in Walker and Sparks. Uh, you have young front line, you know, Renew, uh, Mbako, Ware. Um, and so you sprinkle in a couple of reserves that are going to be uh, there to push those guys and to hold those guys accountable. Been through, you know, the trenches and, and done all the work before. I think that's important. And then the other thing that, that I really liked that you said, too, was practice. Like young guys can get loose in practice because they, you know, when you're, you're a stud in high school, you come in and, and you're used to dominating and you don't really have to practice to be that good. But now you're at a level of competition. That's, that's just outstanding, especially at the big 10 or, or the power five schools. You need some of those older guys to say, Hey, you know, you can't loaf here. You can't do that. And I think, you know, we all wonder how they're going to fit in playing time-wise, but maybe those contributions, the playing time is okay, but what's all that other stuff is really vital to whatever level of success this year's Indiana Hoosiers can have. I think that's just a great point. Well, well I think – Oh, you go, Andy. The other thing I'd say about the transfer portal, I think you touched on one of the things, Jared, that I was thinking, and we've we've kind of hit on a few things here. The, the question becomes on any given year, how many true difference makers are there really that go in the portal? And versus how many guys are have a specific skill or fit a specific role where it does become, I mean, essentially it is free agency, right? So if you think about assembling any other team, it's like, oh, I need this or I need whatever. And I got to go comb through the guys to find that. There are difference-making players in there. Certainly we hope that Kahlo Ware is one of those guys this year. But the number of guys who have truly succeeded at a really high level in a major conference and aren't taking a big step up in competition or doing things like that. You know, most of those guys are going to the NBA. They're not going in the portal. So the Hunter Dickinson's of the world are the, um, you know, the exception in that regard. So I think if you get yourself into a position where you're counting on the portal to give you your difference makers versus freshmen, 
that can be a challenge. You got to be really good because there's not as many of those out there. And then you really try to utilize the portal in a way that allows you to fill very specific needs, whether that's shooting, whether that's toughness, whether that's whatever the case may be. Um, Easier said than done to be able to sit here and say like, oh, well, you can just go cherry pick the people that you want that are good at, you know, insert skill here. We tried to do that Um, with shooting this year and it did not work in the portal. Exactly. So, yeah, that was essentially what I was saying. But yeah. so, but I, but I think that's kind of how you can, at least how I think about how you can make some of that work. Doesn't mean you can't get difference makers in the portal, but usually there's some baggage there uh, from the guys who you really think can step in, or there are big time question marks of, is this guy's game going to translate to a different level? And and you might see that this year with like a Max Asmus who was so good at Oral Roberts, he goes to Texas this year. I think he's going to be really good um, because he's performed well against good competition but it's also like night in and night out. It's going to be different, but you've got a lot of guys who have tried to make those leaps who seem like no brainers ranked at the top guys in the portal. And it is still a transition period, even for guys who are experienced in college that have played really well at a lower level. Um, and so I don't know, but just, just another, just another layer to it, which makes it a good question. And one that's kind of hard to answer. No, it's great. I mean, because the real answer here is, there's not like a formula every program is going to be able to follow. You know, like I know Shaka Smart is really trying to build this thing at Marquette where it's like, you know, no transfers and we're really trying to build it. And I'd love to see him be successful with that. Um, but, you know, from an Indiana perspective, you know, the composition of the Mbaco Cups Newton class is much different than what we're hoping the 2024 class is. You know, they're looking to hit home runs in 2024, but with all guys who surely have goals of not being in college for too long. And so now when you look toward the 2025 class, you know, you've got a Jalen Harrelson, who's a five-star. Then you got Trent Sisley, who's a four-star, a Xavier Robinson they just offered, who's kind of around the hundreds, Bryce Mullins, um, who I think is, you know, in the 80s, somewhere in there. So that class, you know, if Indiana gets the in-state guys at once, is going to be much more balanced in terms of probably three or four-year program guys. And so now you got to take that and then, you know, go in the portal and figure it out. So I think the best schools will adapt and be flexible, you know, and just, you know, and, you know, be able to take advantage of opportunities um, and just be smart about who they target. The last thing I will say, coach, on the topic of Peyton Sparks is if Kalel Ware has a good season, you're going to hear a ton of praise for Kalel Ware, as you should, for, you know, turning his motor up and, you know, filling his potential. You're going to hear a ton of praise for Mike Woodson, as you should, for helping another big man get going. The guy you may not hear as much praise for, but I bet it will come out at some point is Peyton Sparks because, you know, it, I, I think I just think bringing in those two guys was such a smart combination. And I don't know if it was the plan or what, who Sparks committed first, didn't he? Sparks committed first yeah. before Ware, And I don't remember exactly the timing, but you, know, you bring in a guy like Ware, whose biggest question mark is motor. And now every day in practice, he has to go against this just six, nine, just hunk of a human in, in Peyton Sparks who's just there to try and kick his butt every single day. So Kloware <laughs> does not get an off day in practice because Peyton Sparks won't let him. And so if you see that carry over to the game, I guarantee you, you'll start to hear some praise like, wow, Peyton really pushes him in practice. And, you know, that helped him kind of get that motor up. I just, I love, um, I love that addition. And I've heard so many good things about how hard he practices and how enthusiastic he is about the opportunity at IU um, and how coachable he is. I just think IU fans are going to love him once he gets out there on the court. Yeah, I don't know how much run he's going to get on a regular basis, but I have heard nothing but good things, too, 
from being physical in practice and, and, and just playing really hard and pushing people in practice. But he'll have his moments where he's needed uh, and, and foul trouble and, and, and the size, you know, go in and beat up on Edie for a while, right? Um, yep. But I think he'll, he'll be spotty in the, that play. But, again, the, the locker room, the practice stuff will add um, in a lot of places. I agree. Okay, let's move on to these next questions. Great question, Jay. We, we appreciate that. That was a good one. Uh, Coach, this is a good one for you, and we did a segment about this, or a, an episode about this earlier in the offseason. Kurt wants to know, what did the players do over the summer, if you know? Who are they working out with? What have they said they're working on? How did they go about it, et cetera? I don't know if you saw what well, any you, specific IU players were doing, and we saw some videos no, of, I, you know, Kalel was out at the All-Star Camp in Portland, and some guys participated in that stuff, but you did some work. Um, you know, with some trainers this off season. Yeah. You got your team activities that are allowed. Um, but if you're at a major college basketball, you, you're working out, um, every day. Uh, obviously you give your body some rest, uh, at, at times. Uh, but the, the trainers, so we did an episode with my son who worked with the trainer here locally with a lot of the Purdue guys. Um, they're in, they're in doing multiple workouts a day with the key cards at the universities. And then, the guys I know would drive 45 minutes to go work with the trainer, and they're, they're working on all kinds of offensive skills mostly. But uh, the trainers also will work with them on their body composition and, and, and conditioning. So that's a big part of it. But if you are a big college athlete, it is 365 days. Like even when kids get a week off and at the end of school and go home before the team actually comes back, they're going to a home gym. They're working with their high school coaches. They're, you know, they're, they're putting up shots. They're in the gym two or three hours or they're going to get passed by regardless of their talent level. Um, college athletes, it really is a job on top of their school and everything else. It is a job. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned it on a show, a couple of my favorite guys here at Delphi are D1 baseball players. And man, they're constantly in the cage and, and working on things. So if you're, if you're uh, a D1 athlete, you're working on that. But specifically, a lot of ball handling, you, you always need to be able to dribble and pass. It, it, and it, it's not the fun part of working out. And everyone will shoot, uh, right? Very rarely do you go and do defensive slides or, or working on, on those concepts. Those are usually taught by your coaches. But, um, you know, you, you want to play, you got to work uh, on your game, and you got to work on your game in a correct way, not just – be there and, 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 and talking. But I was, when I worked, uh, up here in this area, you know, obviously not a Purdue fan, but came away with a lot of respect for how hard just D one athletes, um, you know, had a Butler kid in one of the workouts and, and then you have some lower level kids, um, from the Lafayette area that are D one lower level. They just constantly are in the gym with a basketball in their hands. Um, and then the only other thing I think is weightlifting. I said about their body, they're con they constantly got to get, uh, you know, a lift in. And so they do that. And then they, they got to, again, get, get appropriate amounts of rest, but it, it's a, it's a constant effort for those kids, um, at that level. All right, let's go on to Kyle's question. He says with excitement building around the boogie Fland recruitment, what is your favorite song to boogie to? By boogie, I mean dance. Keep your mind out of the gutter, folks. Uh, Andy, what is your favorite? What is your favorite song to boogie to? I mean, as someone who lives in a house with, I guess one's not quite a teenager yet, but uh, essentially uh -huh. two teenage girls. I mean, it has to be Taylor Swift. So, 
It does have to be Taylor Swift. It does. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, I'm going with anything produced by Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson when they work together. Uh, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, Billie Jean Off the Wall, PYT, Thriller. Those are, I realize many of those songs are a little more controversial now. There's a lot of baggage on them, uh, but the songs themselves still make me, uh, still make me boogie, along with Blame It on the Boogie, which wasn't a Quincy Jones, Michael Jackson song, but also uh, a good one. Now, Coach, really, this is the, the question people want here. They want you to answer this. What do you? Well, it's been a while since I've to? really boogied. I mean, <laughs> I mean, one, I'm old. Two, I'm overweight. You know, so boogieing is a little difficult. Um, no, da- dancing is appropriate and fun. I tell you what, if if you um, are married, go take some swing dance lessons. Right? I don't Ooh. know if that qu- classifies as boogieing, but. Uh, Amy and I did that a few years back. It was great for us together. Uh, I don't know that we were very good at it, um, but it, it was a lot of fun going and doing that for the four or five weeks that, that we did do that. I like a lot of dance music. I'm a very eclectic music person. Um, so, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know that I have one particular song, but back in the day when I was young, national championship wise, you know, it was, uh, the gap band and, and some of that music that uh, that I used to boogie to. We'll be the judge of how good you guys are at swing dancing when you start <laughs> swing dancing at the Gucci Mane right. uh, post Hoosier Hysteria. <laughs> then just, we'll they're just we'll, out there swing dancing. While he's... You know what? Don't just a couple me. of free spirits <laughs> out there doing. You know what are you going to do? I'll get Josh Pose, uh, the guy who's going to help us here. <laughs> With the camera, and I may make it down on the floor and try to get as close to Gucci Mane as possible. If I, if I, I probably won't go because you know I love Hoosier Hysteria so much. You do, you um, do. Long time admirer of the event. Hey, do you think you guys can handle the rest of the show? Because someone just posted a preseason All Big Ten team that has seven guards but no Xavier Johnson. I have a Twitter grievance to air. Seven guards. Tyson the? Walker, Boo Booey, Terrence Shannon. Kasey Tominaga, A.J. Hogard, Jameer Young, Ace Baldwin. The seven guards on his first and second team. No Xavier Johnson. I'm so right. ready well, for we'll see Xavier we'll see to relax. shove this up we'll everybody's face all season long. We'll see all right, all right, all right. Wait a minute. <laughs> do you want to be on the preseason list, or do you want him on the postseason Postseason. List? Well, I already know he's going to be on the postseason list. I want the young man to get the recognition well, he then, now. But that's fine. Well, he hasn't we'll shown it yet. You he don't think it. Xavier Johnson has he, shown more than Kase Tominaga to be on an all Big Ten team? Kase Tominaga does one thing. It's an important thing, but he's not impacting the game on both sides. Okay. All right. Here just, we go. Okay. <laughs> here we go. All right. Next question. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I just don't understand this. I d- okay. Oh, yeah. oh here, here's one to really just lift everybody up. Thanks, Jonathan. The White Sox, Reds, and Cubs all missed the postseason. Make the argument that your team will be the first to win a World Series. Andy, it is perfectly okay to say it's the Reds. I don't see it happening in my lifetime. P.S. Go Cubs go. I'm going to sit this one out because I can tell you one thing. There is not a White Sox fan alive that would argue for the White Sox as long as Jerry Reinsdorf is in charge and just continuing to make bad decision after bad decision. So I will not step up. I have no grievance about the White Sox. They're just terrible. Um, and this season was just an utter disaster. I had a debate with uh, a, a prominent White Sox fan in my life about what was the bigger disaster, Indiana football or the White Sox. And it was kind of a difficult one to figure out. We went with the White Sox just because the expectations were higher. Um, but either way, whenever you're getting into that debate, your sports life is not going well. Um, yeah. 
So, Andy, I let's mean, go to you. <laughs> I mean, I think, uh, I mean, one, the Reds have won a World Series in my lifetime. I was 12. So, oh, that's true. You know, so take that, Jonathan. Um, anyway, but. Um, no, he did say the first to win one next. So oh, I know, but he just that. said, I know, but he just said it's the Reds. I don't see it happening in my lifetime. Well, it already oh, has. Was my, okay. was my point. Okay. Um, you know, I think the Reds have a lot of a lot of young talent. Uh, there are questions. Uh, I know uh, that Coach Marlowe has uh, significant reservations about whether the manager in place now is able to <laughs> to handle said Coach young Marlow talent. Gets, he gets hot on Twitter, man. Um, <laughs> It's great. As does uh, Mike DeCourcy. He would just like every once in a while would just chime in on like, since the Reds needlessly extended David Bell, here's their record or whatever. So uh, there are questions in that regard, but I think you got a lot of good young talent, good young hitters. The big question is pitching where they've had guys uh, who have shown some promise, but haven't shown the ability to be consistent or healthy or healthy consistently. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest hurdle for them, but um a lot of guys who were a ton of fun to watch this year. It was a, um, you know, you look back at some of the games they kind of gave away and, and what the difference could have been. I don't think they the pitching just wasn't been enough to really make noise in the playoffs and maybe would have been a good, uh, good place to be and, and maybe a year ahead of schedule. But, uh, but anyway, I think there's enough young talent in that regard to to make an argument for the Reds if they can get something figured out from the pitching standpoint and uh, both starters and but basically almost the entirety of the pitching staff. I think if it was only about hitting, they'd be in uh, reasonably good shape. Coach, do you want to argue in favor of the Cubs? Uh, I, I think, I think both teams have a, a legitimate chance to, you know, pass the Brewers here soon. I think the Cubs have a core infield uh, with up the middle. I'd like to see them sign Bellinger again. If they sign Bellinger, uh, I think, uh, which I don't think they will. Uh, I, I think they, they were close to making the playoffs, and they had some injuries and some bad runs. Uh, their bullpen was non-existent down the stretch, um, so I, I can see them getting a run. But in, but right now, it's going to be hard for either of the teams with with Baltimore and Young and and really good and that whole American League East, and then the Dodgers and Braves. But um, yeah, I, I'm you know Andy and I are in a much better position than than you are. So um, that's you know that's the only all right. I will say. The White Sox do have one thing going for them. Colson Montgomery, who Coach Marlowe has reminded me of in the chat mob, an excellent prospect from Indiana. He was a multi-sport athlete, too. Um, he is he is the future. Uh, he and Luis Robert for the, for the White Sox. That's what we have. Not much else. Um, okay. And now. I feel like I need to play like some epic movie music or something for this. Uh, this is Craig's question. Yeah, sidle up, everyone. This <laughs> one's is, a long one. Okay. Now, <laughs> I edited this down, okay? I edited this down, and right before we went on, I went to see how many words it was, and it was 913 words. <laughs> so this is a long question, but I, I do truly appreciate Craig taking the time to write it. I'm not going to read it all, but I think it'll be an interesting discussion. He says, as an exercise, what if you compare the 2013-2014 team season to the 2023-2024 team season. I believe this is the last time that the team went to the NCAA tournament and then lost four starters before the next season. There are some similarities among the rosters as well. Plus, this is the time of year where here in the assembly call era, we have all talked ourselves into the idealized versions of every player on the team. But my question is, should we be pumping the brakes a bit on this season? 
says, I believe Tom Crean once said something to the effect of the biggest regret at Indiana, his biggest regret at Indiana, was not reining in the expectations of fans after the team lost so much experience and talent after the 2013 season. Side note, very much a Tom Crean thing to say, and I'm not agreeing with it, but we are young, inexperienced, and do have a very tough non-conference schedule. So he then goes on to do a bunch of player comparisons. You know, the best player on the team was a point guard, right? Yogi uh, in 2014, Xavier Johnson now. Uh, there was a star freshman, Noah Vonley then, Mackenzie Mbako now. The senior leader, Will Sheehy then, Trey Galloway now. Um, the athletic unicorn, as he phrased it, Kalel Ware then, Troy Williams now. And he kind of you know goes and, and compares them and kind of gives an advantage. He says, the one surefire upgrade for this year's team in my mind is Malik. I think we would all take sophomore Malik over sophomore Jeremy Hollowell. Uh, he said, another side note, does the memory or, of Jeremy Hollowell Or really motor- any year of Jeremy Hollowell, <laughs> yeah. to be fair. Remind anyone of uh, what folks have said about Ware. Uh, perhaps. So he says, ultimately, does the upgrade of Malik and Ware outweigh the loss of X, Trey, and Mbako versus Yogi Will and Vonley? Because in his mind, that was where this year's team had an advantage uh, over the other ones. And then he goes on to some other stuff. Now, Andy, here's the one you're really going to enjoy. The backup guard. This was, would- this was clearly the hook <laughs> to get you and I emotionally invested in this question yes. but but yes. please go on this is such a deep cut too like you really have to have been listening to the show for a long time to understand why this is an inside joke he says the backup guard would you rather have top 50 switch-handed rhode island star stanford robinson 19 percent three-point shooter as a freshman did, but did key a big win over wisconsin at home if you will recall so would you rather have stanford robinson or cj gunn eight percent three-point shooter as a freshman he says i don't know here other than to say we really, really need both X and Trey to stay healthy all season. Uh, in general, though, and by the way, I've been hearing great, as I, I think I mentioned this before, I've been hearing really good things about CJ uh, this offseason. Take that for what it's worth. To, um, to be clear, have you heard anything about him experimenting shooting as a lefty? No, I have okay, not. I have sure. not. I have not. Right. But if he shoots 8% from three-point range again, we may need to, we may need to go to desperate measures. Um, so as he says, and he does make a good point here. He says, I think people are putting too much on CJ saying he might start over Trey is insane. I don't think anybody's really saying that. I think what people are saying is the ceiling for this team. If CJ is good enough to start over Trey, that's going to suggest really good things for IU. But certainly I don't think anybody's suggesting he will start. Um, and he makes a good point here. Think about last season alone. It would be a huge jump for CJ just to get to Tamar Bates numbers and this team needs that out of CJ at a minimum. And the fact that we didn't get more out of Tamar was one of the main flaws of the team last year. Let's say he doesn't get there and he only gets to a worse sophomore version of Stanford Robinson, which is three points per game and 1.2 assists per game. Uh, so he says, I don't know. Time will tell. Then he goes on to compare Evan Gordon and freshman Gabe Cups. Evan Gordon's numbers from that 2014 season were actually better than I thought. They weren't good, but they were a little better than I thought. So anyway, he goes on and on makes these uh, predictions. He says, don't get me wrong. I think hope this team ends up being a much better team than that team. But as I started to go player by player, I think perhaps the gap wasn't as big as I thought it was. And I went to brace myself for a possible rough start to the season as this team learns to play with each other. Talk me out of these thoughts. And once again, convince me this team is better than eighth or ninth best in the league. Sorry for the long question. Bored at work this morning. (laughs) So here is what I will say. You know, at first, I thought the comparison was kind of ridiculous. And obviously, well, not ridiculous, but just not that interesting of a comparison. You know, and some of the player-by-player, you know, trying to compare Kalel Ware to Troy Williams is just very strange, although I get where he was going. But here is what I will say, Coach, is, you know, I think when you look back at that 2013-2014 team and put it in context, 
it felt like there were a lot of unknowns and a really wide, um, you know, series of potential outcomes, right? Like if everything goes well, right? Like if Yogi and Will Sheehy click and Sheehy's able to step up into a higher usage role and be as efficient and Noah Vonley is not only, you know, the statistical monster that he was, but also, you know, kind of fully bought into the team all the way down the stretch and Troy develops and some of those other young guys develop. That team had a chance to be pretty good. Unfortunately, what it devolved into was just kind of an offensively challenged mess that had no real chemistry and not a lot of leadership on it. And it really ended up feeling like a lost season. Now, I don't think that will happen with this team, but it is probably within the reasonable set of outcomes. You know, if Ware doesn't come around, if Mbako struggles and maybe gets frustrated with his role in the offense, like you can start to add up some things. If you have an injury here or there, you know, now you start to look at the low end um, for what this team can be. I don't think that's the most likely. I think most likely this team is probably somewhere around fourth or fifth in the Big Ten. Um, but I do think, to credit um, to credit Craig uh, for asking this question, I do think it is interesting to think of, that is an, an interesting historical example of a team that had a ton of unknowns and a lot of the question marks ended up getting answered in the negative. And that can create a really poor season. Um, so it's good context, I think, to have heading into the season just to try and set expectations, especially for how topsy-turvy things can be at times which a lot of us expect with the hope being that come late January, February, March, you know, this team kind of rounds into, uh, a, you know, being a pretty good version of itself. What's your reaction to that comparison? Well, I, I, th- I think it is a comparison in the overall uh, question, right? I, I do think that most fans have not given credit to the fact that we lost a lot of good players. And when you lose a lot of good players, that's normally a rebuilding year. Um, and, and what I've said is that Coach Woodson's done a good job keeping us relative um, in a rebuilding year by getting a lot of talent. Um, so, you know, yes, it's going to compare if all the questions we we don't know about this team are negative, right? But that that rarely happens, just like it rarely happens that a lot of us fans think that everything is good going to happen. That rarely happens either. Um, so there's going to be some that miss and some that, that, that don't. But I do think the big concern is that it, it's not necessarily talent and size and length is better. But you're replacing Miller Cop, a five-year senior who positionally uh, was great and hit some big shots. Race Thompson was everything you'd ever want in a competitor and practice. Six-year veteran a, a and two NBA draft picks. Most programs like that would be happy just making the tournament the next year while they got their new guys in and started rebuilding. I think we're, you know, um, somewhere in the middle of wherever, you know, where everyone has us a little bit. But I am concerned about two things. I don't know how quick they can gel defensively. And I think you can lose some games with a talented team when you're out of position defensively. And And I do worry that the experience... Talent is great, but inexperienced talent is not as good as experienced teams, right? And sometimes experienced team with less talent is better than a team with a lot of talent without without experience. So uh, there are some concerns for me with, with this team, and I, but I do think it is a uh, five through seven Big Ten team. I think it is somewhere where I, I do believe we have a chance to wear white jerseys on the first weekend or the first game of the NCAA tournament. And I think for a team that lost four starters – 
I, I've said this before. That's that's good. I don't think we're, we're at Purdue or Michigan State's level. Can we get there? Yeah, if all of those questions pan out. Um, you know, we thought all of those questions were going to pan out with Von Ley and Williams, and you had your point guard back, and, and Will Sheehy as a senior leader. And it, it all of those kind of bottomed out. Um, so can that happen? Yes. Do I expect that to happen? No. But I don't think – you know, a lot of people are upset, uh, you know, listening um, podcast on the brink and, and they're talking about not, you know, you're not top 25 team or you're seven, eight, nine seed. I think that's fair. If, if you're 35th or 30th or whatever, I think that's a fair evaluation. So I think Craig is on to something, um, but I think you got to look at it at the whole and not just the, this guard to this player because there's so many different. And overall, I think this roster construction that Woodson has done is a lot better than what Tom Crean put through, even though there was some talent on that team. Yeah, and the other thing, Andy, I think the other difference is this year's bench is, I think, just much more talented and long and athletic than that team's bench, and that can sometimes just help you win a game. <laughs> a lot of other stuff isn't going your way. So that's why I think the floor for this season is a little higher than that one. Yeah, I mean, that season just – I mean, you just kind of look at some of the stats and the guys who played key roles, just kind of an odd – you know, it was you had a lot of young guys who you really hoped would take a step forward, very few of whom actually did. Um, and then really from an experience standpoint, you had Sheehy, who I think on that team turned out to be a little bit miscast in what they needed from him. I don't think you really have that this year. I think if I thought the Galloway, the comparison between he and Galloway was interesting, and I'm not so sure that I would give the edge to Sheehy in the way that that. Um, was in the mm -hmm. question because I think if they put up similar numbers this year, which they theoretically could, I think that's spot on what you need from Galloway versus that's not what you needed from Sheehy in that particular year, which I think was too much yep. to ask of him uh, in that scenario. And, and so, but the experience comes in, you know, you didn't really have Gordon, I think was the only transfer um, that was on that team. And that was, um, you know, just kind of, you kind of needed some guard depth there. I uh, certainly have more of the transfers in your experience in large part is coming from guys who aren't experienced within your own program. Um, but it is an interesting, it, it, it was an interesting comparison for, you know, some different reasons, maybe not even the reasons that he intended as you look through it, but um, just the way that some of the guys were using that team and like the, you know, the usage rates on the team, like Hollowell and Stanford Robinson were like the two highest after Yogi and, and Vonley, which is like, what? what a disaster. I mean, they didn't play as many minutes, but um you know, some of those kinds of things. So I do think, I do think it's an interesting comparison. Um, and, and I, I think it's fair to have questions and to not get too hyped up about this team, even though I think from a talent, sheer talent perspective, there's tons to be excited about from a length and athleticism standpoint, there's tons to be excited about. Um, what you don't know is how that all fits together. We're not going to know that initially, and we don't know how quickly they'll gel. Um, it's just the it's just the unknown of it and the the current state of college basketball to try to figure that out now having a point guard who's even more experienced than yogi was uh at that point i think that was even a really difficult transition for yogi i mean he didn't really hit his stride in a lot of ways until that great senior season when he when he did that but i mean he went quickly from you're you're kind of the facilitator kind of in the background almost to you know, taking a backseat to some of those other guys, despite having the ball in your hands a decent amount to like, 
okay, now you've got to score a ton. You've got to really change your role dramatically. And and so I do think there's, um, you know, in the long run, was he more talented than Xavier Johnson? Sure. Um, but again, I think the transition from what IU needs from X this year compared to what they did last year is a little bit of a wash. But even the previous year, like, you're kind of asking him to do a lot of the same stuff, take on more of a leadership role, but you're asking him to do a lot of the same things you're already asking him to do. I, I think there was very few guys on that, the previous IU team who had experience and success in the roles that they were being asked to play. Um, and I think with X and with Trey, you probably have more of that this year. Um, but you're still asking a lot of other guys to, to step up. You're asking a lot of Malik to do that. You're asking Khalil Ware to be a different player than he was at Oregon. Uh, Mbako, you, you don't know about. So you are asking a number of guys to step up, but I think you're basically asking everybody on that other team to step up uh, and do something that they had not previously shown the ability to do. And some of them, it worked out fine, and some of them, it didn't. And um, that ultimately was a pretty forgettable season. Other than I think... Some game that season compelled me to start charting some of the lineup stuff, which probably shaved a few years off my life over the course of time with the, yes. the Crean teams, at least. Was that was that the season when Crean was just talking all year long about internal leadership? You know, and this is not an internally led team, because obviously you'd come off the previous two seasons, which had such great like player leadership, and then that season didn't. And Crean always seemed to struggle when he had to be the leader. You know, he did much better when he had, you know, experienced guys and other guys could take on the leadership. And that to me is another difference. I trust Woodson a lot more in a scenario like this with a bunch of different pieces and, you know, guys whose roles are going to need to be communicated and kind of, you know, massage them to help get them through maybe some tough times. I just think Woody's better suited um, to a team like that than, than Crean was. Do you think, is that fair coach? Do you agree with that or no? Yeah, but but any program is better when you have a player led program than a coach led program. I no, mean, but I mean, but what coach coaches, do you trust more to lead a team that's kind of maybe that may struggle with that? And that may not Woodson be a problem this year. Yeah, because you have Woodson. X and Trey. So yeah, what Woodson yeah. by far? I think it. You know, uh, he's a great communicator, uh, and I think people trust him, and he he doesn't have any bull crap. I mean. You know, a lot of coaches sometimes talk too much and, and they try to weasel around things. Uh, Coach Woodson is genuine. You know, whether you like his offense or standing in spacing or whatever, like uh, the guy's genuine. That's why he's getting some of these recruits. That's why I think players play better. You know, I, I think they like him because, you know, he's not a player's coach, but he's not a, 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 you know, a dictator either. He's somewhere in between, and that's what you need. Um and I think those, you know, I've had people tell me that those guys just absolutely love Coach Woodson, even after he rips them. And then when you have that going, yes, you could have he, – he's better equipped to take a, a program that's minus some leadership, but it's never good, even even with someone as good as Coach Woodson is off the court, to not have that locker room taken care of, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and again, just asking that question, I may have underestimated a little bit the role that X and Trey will have because I do think that – Right, right. They, I agree with that too. They're going to provide some good leadership. for the, And same with Anthony Walker. I think he's going to help with the leadership as well. Um, you got Leo, Even though he hasn't been here. Yeah, Anthony Walker's been where all these guys want to go, and I think that's an important voice yeah. uh, to have in the locker room. 
uh, Craig, that was awesome. You know, just kind of wish you'd maybe spend a little bit more time expounding on some of these other things that we discussed. You know, next time, you know, maybe take some more time and, and make a, a longer, more substantial question with more detail. Uh, <laughs> longer lunch from work. Yeah. Take, uh, yeah. take a longer lunch, work on it. Yeah, we're giving you the benefit of saying you did this on your lunch, right? So, yes. Yeah. yeah. So in case your bosses are listening, <laughs> thanks for taking your lunch time to write this marathon question. That was so good. Uh, all right. By the way, the other inside joke from that season, Andy, you'll definitely remember this one. No, it was on a two-year plan. Ryan's. I did think of that. I totally forgot we're answering this question now, but I did as I was – Reading through uh, what you had posted in the run sheet, I was like, well, the exception here is clearly that uh, there was a two-year plan in place for yes. Mr. Yes, and Mackenzie Mbago clearly on a one-year plan. His, yeah. his, his goal is to go to the NBA, same with Kalel. They are on one-year plans. Uh, <laughs> no Von Lee, forever I mean, linked dude, to the two-year plan. We needed – it was only our third season doing the show, but by, like, January, we needed stuff to get us through, so – ragging on Ryan for talking about that. Uh, that's just great. Stan Robinson era. Boy, that feels like forever ago, doesn't it? It was a long time ago, to be sure. fair. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is true. We are getting older. All right. That is going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thank you to Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thank you to John Ringer of RigDesign.com for designing our logos. Thanks to everybody who was here live tonight. Really awesome chat mob. We appreciate that. Uh, and thank you uh, listening on the podcast or watching later. We appreciate that too. We'll be back next week to talk IU basketball. Until then. Thank you from me, Roman Langford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Here I come, Mrs. Stansoni. All right. Good stuff. Andy, thanks right. for hanging. I will I see you late. guys. Uh, Coach, it appears the Bears are trying to blow the game. Um, oh, yeah, always. So shouts to, shouts to Will DeWitt. But know that you can always go on home field and order uh, some Campbell Camels uh, stuff as of today to hey. make yourself feel better if needed. <laughs> So <laughs> it's always good to know Dakota yeah. state of New Hampshire. Is that, yeah. Well, is that they're working on that. They're working on that one. Yeah. We need, I would buy an East Dakota state of New Hampshire. What's their mascot coach? The East Dakota state of New Hampshire fighting carrots. Yes. Some kind of root go. vegetable, maybe like a <laughs> anthropomorphized root vegetable <laughs> that grows in the cold of New Hampshire. Absolutely. Perfect. All right. I think sounds good. Good talking to you guys. I got, I got to run. I don't think I've ever said something that sounds See you, more Andy. like I've never said something that sounds more like Galen than anthropomorphized root vegetable. It definitely sounds like something he would say. Yeah, well done. He'd be very proud. <laughs> uh all right. Any AC after dark stories, coach? I think I do. No, not really. After Nothing man, eight, when on. you have two young kids, after dark is just try to get some sleep. <laughs> That's why yeah. my, my AC after dark story is my son's sleep regression. That's Keep for, up at night. For uh, some unknown reason, I am attending the uh, Nebraska at Illinois gate football game tomorrow evening. Wow. Yeah. How much are they paying you? Uh, not much. Um, <laughs> the the tickets were nineteen ninety five. 
<laughs> on the twenty yard line. Man, and twenty dollars for parking. So, at in Champagne. Okay. Yeah. So I was going to say two would... hours from here. Same as Bloomington, you know. So yeah. well, you know, from Lafayette. So, yeah, my son and I, Brent and I, were were taking off after school and nice. It's always fun going to a college sports game. I'm just being snarky. Drink but... eighteen beers before we go in, and <laughs> after you then, drive though. Yeah, after we get there. Nice. And, okay. Yeah. All right, enjoy. So that, that that's a AC. I don't know why I decided to do that. I Yeah, it's a road trip with then, your sons. Uh, it doesn't what you're yeah. going to do doesn't matter more, you know, it's the journey. It's yeah. just the experience. Absolutely. And and as you talk about putting, you know, Teddy to sleep and all that kind of stuff, I got to find ways to hang out with my kid for 5 or 6 hours now that he's out of the house. So. When they're older, you just buy them beer and then they fall asleep. I can't yeah, do that with exactly. Teddy. Exactly. <laughs> no. <I can't>. Teddy. <laughs> He's like he's like aware of what's going on now, so he can say like, yeah. you know, "Don't leave the room, and I want you to stay here." What What are you gonna do if your son's like, you know, yeah, "Don't you, leave the room"? Okay, all right, I you got gotta you. Stay there. I know. You gotta stay there. All right, everybody. Thank you for being here. Uh, boy, it's October. Man, there's an Indiana basketball game later this month, an exhibition game. That is Let's awesome. Go. That is so great. All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Good night, everyone.